Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fed Talks. Oh man, okay, we're trying to record again. Uh, this computer, it's on its last legs. Uh, it's where all my scripts live. This is going to be a problem. I realize it's an easily solvable problem, but uh, I still like to fret. Uh, before I get into this week's stuff, I, I, I forgot something last week. Uh, in discussing uh, American Pie Presents the Book of Love, I forgot the segment where I compare that week's American Pie movie to the corresponding film in Zack Snyder's filmography. Uh, so I'll just do it quick, because as we established, uh, Book of Love is possibly my favorite American Pie movie, which is a low bar to clear. Uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice is the seventh Zack Snyder directed movie uh, and I've talked about it a lot in the past I don't like it uh, I am not comfortable saying it's the worst movie I've ever seen because the camera is mostly pointed in the right direction and the sound is recorded correctly you know I've seen Neil Breen movies this is nothing uh, that said it is maybe the movie I dislike most um, I don't really actually here's here's the thing that I'm really trying to struggle with I'm trying to decide if Zack Snyder's politics are terrible or if he just thinks the same things are cool that 13 year olds think are cool and he doesn't doesn't audit that uh, you know if he doesn't actually think about it that basically the glorification of fascist imagery in his movies might be because he has terrible politics and might just be because that stuff looks cool. And I don't know what it is. And I'm just, I'm not the person to really interrogate that. So, uh, yeah, obviously I would, I, I would pick uh, American Pie Presents the Book of Love over Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, uh, which now puts the American Pie franchise in the lead four to three. Uh, We'll, we'll see. We've got two movies to go, and one of them will be dealt with at the end of this episode. Now, uh, this will be a, a little different, maybe. Uh, I don't know if this is even interesting to anybody, but I am really having some anxiety issues lately. Uh, I've learned fairly recently that... Uh, that that's that's different from depression and it's all part of the fun stack of things that make my brain bad uh and and both of those things make me feel bad and alone but uh like depression makes me feel worse about myself and anxiety makes it harder for me to function and maybe i just want to vent for like a minute about what because here's the thing I don't like pushing this stuff off, off, off on the people, uh, in my life. Uh, you know, uh, either because it just, it just feels weird or probably a lot of them are worried about the same things I am and what good's it going to do to, and if they're not, then great. I put the idea in their head. So I'm just going to to uh just kind of be be 
just talk a little about why I feel like I'm going insane and uh, I have nothing but dread. And uh, it does involve politics. If you don't want to hear that or if it would be stressful for you to hear about uh, my my dire feelings for the immediate and long-term future, um, I will put in the episode description what time code you can skip to to not hear it. I won't blame you if you do that. But uh, obviously over the last uh, couple of weeks, the Supreme Court has made some big overreaches. And uh, we have also seen that the uh, Democratic Party is uh, largely useless even when having the presidency in both houses of Congress. Uh, and really the only reason there's been any sort of official response to uh, to uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is that people bullied Biden for, uh, for initially coming out and saying, well, nothing I could do. Be sure you vote better. And then uh, late last week, I think there was the thing where he said, oh, yeah, I mean, I could do an executive order to declare a, a abortion access a public health crisis, but we ruled that out. And everybody went, why the hell would you rule that out? And sort of bullied him into the idea that maybe something will happen now. Uh, so if you have, uh, especially moderate Democrat fans who spend all, friends, not fans, who has fans? Um, maybe you have fans, you're probably cool. Uh, who spend all of their time on social media, say, lecturing people for expecting Democrats to do anything when they don't have an ultra-hyper majority. Uh, tell them to... <laughs> Tell, tell them to just get off that train, man. Uh, but, you know, there's been... They they had a, a quieter decision last week that really did a lot to erode the voting process. And there's a case coming up in October that... Where most likely what they're going to rule is that a state is not in any way obligated to abide by the results of the popular vote and can pick whichever electors they want to uh, put their electoral votes toward. And here's the thing. this The next presidential election, no matter what the result is, is going to be decided by the Supreme Court. I don't have any doubt in my mind. It doesn't matter if the Republican gets absolutely shellacked. They will take it to the Supreme Court. And uh, the justices who seem intent on installing a, a fascist theocracy uh, will uh, install Trump or Ron DeSantis or whoever as the president, regardless of what actually happens with the vote. I, I truly believe we have we have lived through our last legitimate presidential election and and once one of those monsters gains power uh, Trump has already talked about suspending future elections uh, I think our country is going to change irrevocably for the worse and it's going to change so fast and so completely and look I know I'm a straight white guy I'm not going to lose any rights, most likely. 
until they really start cracking down on people who are poor or don't believe the right things, which who knows, man, it's, you know, at some point I'm going to be looked at askance for having gay friends, you know, uh, I, I'm, but I, I'm going to be better off than a lot of people if my dire predictions come to pass, but it's still not a world I want to live in and I can't, uh, good compliment to my existing issues with anxiety and I'm finding it very difficult to do anything or interact with people uh, I cannot even really watch TV anymore I mean I can sit and turn it on it does not stick in my brain at all and I couldn't tell you what I just watched um, Better Call Saul is on in a little bit as I'm recording this and I can probably pull it together for that and I you know really the only thing about eight weeks that I've watched and have any memory of watching is The Boys uh, which we can sustainable future ahead of us and uh, yeah it's uh, uh, that sheer terror of of the fact that we're probably 10 years away from just straight up having an American Hitler is is uh, not melding well with my 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 brain chemistry and it is absolutely just uh, I am absolutely useless in all regards right now and uh, I don't expect you to agree you maybe think I'm that's over dramatic and maybe it is that's part of how anxiety is I can't tell what I'm what's what's catastrophic thinking and what is uh, <clears throat> uh, understanding an actual situation for what it is either way it it sucks real bad and I'm having a real hard time um, but a different kind of hard time than I have when I'm depressed so uh, it's a nice change of pace at least uh, okay so that's about ten and a half minutes I will put that in the notes that you can skip ahead um, and you know one thing let's I decided for the next couple weeks I want to talk about things I like uh, just just say some I, I need to I need to uh, kind of focus on something good and I was originally just going to do an episode where I talked about Batman, but uh, Tony Sirico, who played Polly Walnuts on The Sopranos, died last week. And as much as I love The Sopranos, I have never really written or publicly talked much about it just because it was it was over before I started writing about TV in any in any visible way. And, uh, you know, it's it's. 15 years old now I mean boy no it's I mean the beginning of this series like 23 years ago uh, so there's not a lot of uh, you know it hasn't been super pressing to talk about when I need content but uh, I mean straight up that's one of not only one of the best shows ever it's one of the key reasons why TV is good now uh, you know, I think it, it, it premiered in, I want to say, 99. I could be wrong. I don't feel like looking it up. You you know about when. 
But late 90s, you could watch maybe three shows and you would be seeing all of the good TV. I mean, it was... Uh, when people say bad things about TV, that, they're kind of talking about that era. And even even stuff that was that that was enjoyable was not necessarily like you know enriching uh or or artistically valid maybe which sounds terribly snobby but there's there's i like friends just fine there's a big difference between friends and uh say the aforementioned better call saul in terms of uh artistic intent so anyway tv was just kind of a hbo had They'd done a couple of original series. Larry Sanders was real good. Uh, Arliss was less so. Dream On was kind of forgotten. Sopranos was such a bolt out of the blue that you could do something that good on TV and also do it on HBO, which was mostly where you went to see movies and real sex. By which I mean the sort of anthology journalism series they had called Real Sex. I was not implying you went on, you got on HBO to look at actual sex. Uh, oh, I guess Oz predated The Sopranos, and Oz, the prison drama, is a show I deeply love and will maybe talk about one day, but it was not popular. Like, it was popular enough that people were aware it existed, but it was not bringing people to HBO as subscribers. And The Sopranos is just kind of on the, like the forefront of this big movement in TV, where, where the quality bar got was raised so high, and also it got to be where where that content could come from anywhere. Uh, I think. I think the two super. Uh, Sex in the City, I think, premiered around the same time, and that was, I think, was all had a very similar effect too. I'm just not haven't watched much of that so I can't really speak to its influence because I largely missed it but uh you know you had the, uh Sopranos and Sex in the City and then I think weirdly The Shield on on FX was kind of the thing that clinched it because that was on basic cable and it was a this really uh uh sort of aggressive and sort of brilliantly done uh drama that was not only not on network TV but not on prestige cable and I think that's what sort of opened it up and you you know people like AMC and uh, uh, you know Lifetime and Comedy Central suddenly uh, started original programming that was was actually good and you know I don't know that any of that happens without the Sopranos coming first Um. I do. It's interesting where you can see it's still sort of a, 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 it feels a little dated in the way that, like the best TV shows now sort of embrace being TV shows. Uh, David Chase, who created The Sopranos, made no secret about the fact that he would rather be doing movies, even though, he, you know, he wrote for the Rockford Files and Northern Exposure. I mean, he was a TV guy. Uh, but he always sort of treated TV as if it was the, the, the diseased second cousin to movies. And, uh, I think 
that brings a degree of pretension that I think made The Sopranos better. But there's also... I don't think he necessarily had respect for episodes as meaningful individual units. Uh, because there are... If you if you go to uh, Breaking Bad or, or Mad Men... You know, which are created by people who absolutely love television. Like that's their that's what they want to be doing is making a TV show. It's not second choice to. Uh, it's not what they do when they can't sell a movie. Every every episode for the whole run of that show, you can you can watch an episode and tell me what the plot of it was. You know, it's an epi- There is a there is a it's a satisfying unit. I mean, maybe you didn't like a given episode. But there is there is something that makes each episode feel like it is a unit of television to be enjoyed. Uh, whereas The Sopranos would often have an episode that was nothing but setting up a future episode or catching you up on subplots that hadn't been visited in a while and often with no real advancement. So there are episodes... Uh, season four is kind of famous for it where there it it's just there are episodes that feel like the first half of a two-parter and you know when you're waiting a week to see your favorite show and that show sometimes takes years off between seasons that that sucks and I think that's largely gone away now uh, you know you just simply because of the you see it more in streaming, especially Netflix, where everything hits at the same time. But that's one thing about The Sopranos that I don't think has aged well. But, I mean, everything else, it is, it's a brilliant show. And you watch it, I, I started re-watching it uh, during quarantine, and I only watched the first couple of seasons before I started obsessively re-watching Perry Mason. But uh, I'll go back and finish it again. It's so, it's so, so, like every, every performance is just, just amazing. And it's so brilliantly written and funny. It's so funny. As dark as it is. And it's, it's funny in weird ways. Like a lot of the characters are, are dumb, but not, it's not like, Dumb guy jokes are like the the cheapest kind of thing, but The Sopranos really does, you know, in sort of subtle ways where, where, uh, like, they miss the point of their favorite movies that they talk about obsessively, but they talk about them in a way that real life fans also would. Uh, uh, Polly, uh, Tony Sirico's character is in particular is just. In his first few appearances, he just sort of seems like he's just meant to be an older thug. And his performance is so weird that they make Polly into such an aggressively strange character. He's got all these quirks and he's so... He is tremendous. The thing is, he's so good, he gets... He occasionally gets saddled with, like, dumb subplots. And he would still make it work. Like when he was convinced that uh, uh, a cat was possessed by somebody he killed and he went to a seance or, you know, just taking these slight 
slight, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, uh, grievances. He's just these petty grievances and turning them into the biggest thing in the world. Uh, there, there's one scene that pretty much everybody has shared on social media, but it's uh, Christopher says to him, do you ever feel like nothing good's ever going to happen? And his response is, yeah, and nothing ever did. So what? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, and, and weirdly, the first episode I saw was near the end of season three, and it was Pine Barrens, which is sort of the famous episode where Christopher and Polly have to take a Russian out to the woods, kill him and bury him. And uh, they decide to save some time by making him dig his own grave and everything goes wrong. And they barely, they almost freeze to death overnight stuck in the woods. It's so, it's so good. It was the first episode I saw because I was hanging out with somebody I was sort of dating and uh, like I pretended I was caught up on The Sopranos. I knew stuff about it from media awareness. And I could even name like characters and new things about subplots, but I'd never seen an episode because I didn't have HBO. And you start with that episode and, you know, there's some things you can't necessarily, that don't necessarily make sense yet, but it is just, I had never seen anything like it. And I went home and I got HBO and I, I bought the box set of The Sopranos before I had a DVD player. I had a box set that was the season one on seven video cassettes, and it cost like $100. But, oh my God, it was incredible. Uh, it really, it's, you know, like I, like I say, there are parts of it where they were still refining the formula, but it's just an incredible, incredible show. Uh, and, you know, the movie that came out last year, The Many Saints of Newark, is 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 bad. And it's, it's kind of a bummer that that's the, I mean, that's almost definitely the end of Sopranos content. What with uh, James Gandolfini having died years ago, there certainly wouldn't be anything new. And arguably, Tony died at the end of the original series. That's, I have my own opinions on that, and David Chase changes his opinion on it every few years. It gives you an idea of why it's an ambiguous ending, I guess. Uh, but yeah, this is me taking the controversial stance that The Sopranos is really good. Uh, and and Tony Sirico, absolute delight. Uh also, after watching six seasons of it, seven seasons? Was it seven seasons? No, it was six seasons. Season six was split in two. Uh, but after watching all that, I still never figured out what an esplanade is. They would occasionally talk a lot about an esplanade. And that was one of those things that never really amounted to anything. And I think it was just to give them something to talk about and create conflict. But I do not have any idea what that is still even now uh re-watching it you know sort of like like deadwood you can real easily lose track of what they're talking about when they mention yankton but if you really focus in uh you'll be there the esplanade is sort of the sopranos version of yankton but i i don't know that there's enough context so if like me if you're if you are watching it and like me you sort of uh 
are completely baffled whenever they talk about the Esplanade. Don't worry about it. It's There's not going to be a quiz later. Uh, the Sopranos, a good TV show. Um, okay, so let's... Uh, Let's just get into the franchise movies. Uh, we're coming to the end of one of them. I'm excited. Uh, so this week, oh, and I should I did watch uh, Thor: Love and Thunder in theaters. Uh, I'll wait a couple weeks before I really talk about that because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But it's very fun. I know that there are some people who had a very negative reaction to it, and you know, part of that is simply differing tastes, and part of it is. Uh, you know, DC fans, uh, Zack Snyder fans specifically being mad about uh, superhero movies that are silly. Uh, they really have an issue with the depiction of Zeus, who is depicted kind of like he is in myths, and also how he's depicted in DC Comics. So the badass Zeus that they want to see is uh, is the aberration, frankly. Uh, and there, there are... There, you know, there's discussions of gayness, I guess, is, I don't quite know how to say it, but, you know, that kind of turned, I mean, yeah, there were bigots who didn't like Lightyear because there's a gay character. Um, and, and so this might, there could be some backlash there, but also it's basically a romantic comedy where the complication is that they have to prevent de-genocide. It's it's super fun. It's not everything lands perfectly. Like I don't think it's as good as Ragnarok, uh, but it's. I really enjoyed watching it, and I look forward to seeing it again. Uh, I had a great time. There's some. Uh, it's got another one of those. The whole community has to come together and help out. Scenes that always makes me cry, even though in real life I'm a a antisocial weirdo who cannot imagine being helped by a community. Um, and it sets up a couple of really cool things for what's apparently going to be Thor 5. And I, I love that Thor is getting more solo movies than anybody. Like Chris Hemsworth is clearly just having so much fun. He'll he'll come back again and again. Uh, but like I said, we'll talk more about that later. Well, instead, we'll get into the franchise movies I watched this week. Uh, over in Marvel, time for Ant-Man. And I know talking about Ant-Man is like one of my bits online, like like Crank 2. The thing is, though, I love Crank 2. Also, I love Ant-Man. That movie is good. It's it's very near. It might be near the... It's might be... It's in the top few of my favorite Marvels. Like, after the movie's over, I have to ask myself, is that my favorite movie? And it, it can't be, but... I'd be hard pressed to think of something I would rather be watching, you know? It just, everything clicks for me. It's so fun. It's the first one since the first Iron Man to sort of have the the plot about learning to use your powers slash technology. You know, they hadn't really done that. So when they do it again seven years later, it, it is not at all played out. Uh, also, Ant-Man, unlike Tony Stark, is a little bit of a doofus and... Uh, his his training scenes are really funny. Uh, everybody is just they're great. Corey Stoll. I mean, 
Yellow Jacket's a little bit bland as a villain, but you can see why with someone with such a specialized power as Ant-Man, you want to do an evil opposite to introduce him. You know, you don't want to have him fight a guy with heat vision or something because uh, that doesn't really play to his strengths. Um, you know, Evangeline Lilly, who, despite being an anti-vaxxer, I, I like her here. I like her on Lost. Uh, I hope she gets her head right because... I don't want to have to keep holding it against her. Uh, Michael Douglas is fun. Uh, young Michael Douglas is still a pretty amazing achievement. It's great. The fight scenes with the, with all the size changing are really good. Like kind of famously, Edgar Wright was going to direct it and he quit because of studio interference, I guess. And that seems like kind of a loss, but also I don't know what he would have done better. Yeah, I'll take... I'm make that controversial statement uh i think i don't know the the use of his powers is so fun and inventive in this that there's never a point where i'm going boy i wish edgar wright directed this and uh i like edgar wright a lot he's one of my one of my favorite directors but there isn't a point where i go huh too bad this is the version we got that's great i love it uh, it was very fun to see Johnny Pemberton, who played Bo on Superstore, is the customer at Baskin Robbins who does not understand what they serve. Hold on. Sorry, sorry about that. The phone rings once a week, and it's always when I'm recording. Um, anyway, Ant-Man. I got no complaints about Ant-Man. I had a great time. Uh, I would watch it again right now. It was the most fun I had all week, probably. Uh I guess next the next one is uh, a Civil War, which brings back Ant-Man immediately. I think that's the first character to appear in uh, two consecutive movies. I mean, I guess Tony Stark is an Incredible Hulk, but we don't really count that, and that's a cameo. Uh, and that's the first one where he gets big, so obviously that's important. Even though he doesn't get big in Ant-Man, the first movie... Uh, I still love it very much. I had a very fun time watching it. Uh, I'm surprised I don't watch it more often. I think maybe because Ant-Man's in a bunch of movies and uh, Endgame was one I've watched a lot over uh, over the early days of lockdown because it's, you know, it's just fun to see all my movie friends. Uh, yeah, Ant-Man, two, thumb, two thumbs all the way, two big thumbs, big pin particle thumbs. Love it. Uh, over in James Bond, Roger Moore's fifth movie, For Your Eyes Only, which is sort of a generic title, and I couldn't remember anything about it. Holy smokes, did I have fun watching this one. It is... It's... It's just a super solid story that doesn't really drag. Uh, it's mostly about uh, smugglers and uh, people trying to get their hands on a... a uh, British military communication device that would let them give them access to missile control. Uh, and this uh, woman whose parents were killed is trying to get revenge and she kills a lot of people with a crossbow which is very fun. Um, there's a lot of winter sports in it. I think this came out in 81 right after the you know, the year before is the 1980 Winter Olympics, which the Soviets boycotted, and so America did awesome. So everybody was probably super psyched to see a lot of skiing and bobsledding. 
um, it, I think it's the first Roger Moore movie that doesn't have a lengthy boat chase. Uh, and the car chase it has is super fun because he's in a junky car. Uh, the big assault on the mountain fortress at the end is way better than most third act assaults because it's not just two faceless armies going at it. Uh, there's more emotional stakes. The Even the underwater stuff is good. And the underwater stuff in Thunderball puts me to sleep. I had a great time. Uh, rediscovering Roger Moore has been the best part about this, this rewatch. Uh, you know, his... Some of his movies are bad, but they've all been fun to watch. And uh, uh, For Your Eyes Only and The Spy Who Loved Me are, are straight-up bangers. Good stuff. Uh, it's yeah, I, I guess I should note the opening scene is uh, he's at his wife's grave, uh, his wife from uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And then a helicopter comes to pick him up, but the helicopter is under the control of Blofeld, who we haven't seen since Sean Connery's last movie. Uh, and in fact, they cannot call him Blofeld and they don't show his face, but he is a bald man in a gray suit stroking a cat. He also has a thick accent and he's, is in a wheelchair, uh, presumably from injuries he suffered in, in uh, Diamonds Are Forever, maybe. But the, the real reason is there's a whole, a whole rights thing where the guy who co-wrote Thunderball maintained control of Spectre and Blofeld, which is why they don't appear uh, after Diamonds Are Forever. They don't appear again until Spectre in 2015 because that man died and the right, the full rights belong to the Bond estate. Uh, that'll come up in a couple weeks because uh, yeah, we'll discuss it then. But So they couldn't use Blofeld anymore, so they have this character who is unnamed and uncredited but he is clearly meant to be Blofeld and he's going to kill James Bond by a remote control helicopter and then Bond gets control of the helicopter uh, puts one of the uh, the the what do you call the things helicopters land the landing things puts it through his wheelchair to scoop him up and then drops him down an industrial smokestack presumably killing him so uh, that's kind of them addressing this fact that they had this recurring villain through seven movies and then could never mention him again. So that's fun. I remembered that. I didn't remember much else about this movie and I don't think I knew that was the opening to this one. Uh, great. Nothing much to talk about. I just had a lot of fun watching it. It's one I will watch again. Um, next up is Octopussy. And like that's how it ends. James Bond will James Bond will return in Octopussy, and ah, uh, I have to imagine that in 1981 you're seeing that and going, can they say that in a movie title? Like here in 2022, I'm still not sure they can. Um, it 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 seems very transgressive then and now. So we'll see we'll see what we think of that one. That's another one I don't remember clearly. Uh, I think maybe I was too embarrassed to rent it. So, uh, can I guarantee I've even seen it before? I I probably have. I wasn't that embarrassed, but we'll see. I'm excited. 
so that's another two thumbs up. And then we get to the eighth in our nine-week American Pie series, the theatrical release, American Reunion. It is the first theatrical American Pie movie since 2003. Uh, it has the, the characters reuniting for their 13th high school anniversary. Uh, there is some nonsense for why, as to why they have a 13th anniversary. I don't care. Um, it's not written by anybody who worked on the previous movies. Uh, it is... Here's... Uh, I, I talked to my, my friend friend of the show, in fact, uh, Lenny, a little about it because he loves the American Pie trilogy. I don't, but I sort part of that is probably due to uh, me being older and being an adult when it came out and sort of not being that into horny teens at the time. Uh, or now, I don't mean to apply, I suddenly got into horny teens. Uh but he cannot stand American Reunion because it's very, uh, it's much more mean-spirited and the characters all suck. Like, again, I'm not a huge fan, but these, I get what people like about the others and the, the characters and most of that stuff is gone now. Uh, the female cast also returns but it feels like they all shot their scenes in about a day uh it's it's real bad and it's got all of the all of the 13 year reunion attendees uh lusting after various younger w women uh and in fact a huge part of the plot is whether or not jim is going to cheat on his wife which uh i i i don't like that uh it's it's a bummer of a plot to begin with, especially when you're supposed to be sort of invested in this couple because there was a movie about their wedding. And it's, oh, maybe he's going to bang a college girl. Okay, cool. Uh, it's real bad. Uh, I should also... I mean, it's... it's uh, It was fun seeing them go back to fake yesterdogs, which is called Dog Years. And it makes me want to go to real Yesterdog. Uh, maybe one day. Who knows? Uh, huh, wait, I was going to say this up top. Uh, uh, but uh, one of the reasons I would not go to I is I have a lot of anxiety about, about going to restaurants that don't have calorie information because I'm tracking that kind of obsessively. But... Uh, uh, that obliquely led me to this thing I was going to say up front is uh, I was going for a walk over the weekend. I walked past my, my, my elderly neighbor who I have had maybe two conversations with in 20 years. And, uh, you know, besides just saying hi, if I pass, but uh, he's this, this very old man calls out to me, says, Hey, you lost a lot of weight, didn't you? And before I could say anything, he continued, you used to be a real chunk. <laughs> like, well, I guess I admire all the 
all the fortitude it took on your part to not insult me to my face previously, but retroactive insults are still insults. Uh, it was funny, but also, I don't know, it made me uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, American, it, it's bad. Uh, it plays havoc with American Pie continuity also. American Pie presents continuity, rather. Uh, for one thing, Jim's dad in the Presents movies gradually has been getting played up as more and more of kind of a, a guy with a wild past. And by Book of Love, he's like one of the one of the great stickmen, as they say on Blank Check. And here he's back to being sort of a dork without much life experience. And, you know, since I, I guess the 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 theatrical movies probably have dibs on how on his correct portrayal. But uh, also Jim's mom is dead, which they clearly did uh, possibly to continue to be disrespectful to the actresses who are who were in the franchise. But clearly the joke is they want to hook him up with Stifler's mom. Fine. Uh, she said to be she died three years ago. Uh, this is set in 2012. That would be 2009. The same year that American Pie Presents the Book of Love happened. He is a man who, in that movie, when he is helping reassemble the Book of Love, he is either a man who is grieving or is about to lose his wife. And I, that, I don't know. None, none of that seems right. Uh, further, further, Jim and Michelle have a child who is maybe two years old. Okay, fine. So let's say they're born in 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. In uh in in American Pie Presents Bandcamp 2005, uh the reason Michelle can't be a Bandcamp counselor besides the fact that they are not getting Allison Hannigan to do a direct-to-video uh softcore movie uh is that she's pregnant. So that means either uh Bandcamp is not in continuity or they lost the baby. And none of that feels good. Also, Bandcamp establishes that Stifler uh, is a porn producer. And in this movie, he's still a temp. Uh, so, frankly, either Bandcamp or uh, American Reunion is not in continuity. And honestly, I liked Bandcamp better. So I'm going to call this one the, the outlier. Uh, this one's weird because it kind of kills the franchise. Like, they were cranking out a, a direct-to-video uh, spinoff every year. And this one comes out, and it did well worldwide. It had a budget of $50 million. It made, like, 230 worldwide, but it barely made its budget back in America. And when you factor in advertising and such, it probably lost money. And But even that, what it made there was kind of paltry compared to the previous ones. So I think it just kind of killed the franchise because there's not another one for eight years. And that's the one I think was not written as an American Pie sequel, but rather just uh, uh, they slapped the name on a script that was getting shopped around. We'll find out next week when I watch it. Um, the one thing, I, uh, Rebecca De Mornay shows up as, as Finch's mom who hooks up with Stifler because, you know, uh, uh, reflection or whatever. And that was kind of fun just because I've been watching a lot of Rebecca de Mornay. 
uh, which if you really want to look into it is a, a spoiler for the first episode of our of our uh, of our short-lived TV show retrospectives. And here she's sort of in her usual Rebecca de Mornay mode, which I had lost track of in the show that I've been watching, where she does something very different. As it was, I don't know, it's kind of fun. It's like, yeah, you keep bringing that energy, lady. You're pretty cool. Uh, all in all, it's it's bad. It's near the bottom of the American Pie list. Maybe, maybe... Boy, Naked Mile might be worse, but that has a funny joke about a horse, so I can't... Next week, I'll do the power rankings. But it's bad. That said, when we put it up against the Zack Snyder filmography, it's up against Justice League, a movie I will never watch uh, because I don't like his versions of my favorite characters, and I think his, uh, his approach to heroism is kind of... Uh, awful and especially the he's not credited as the director of the theatrical release because he was replaced and then they HBO Max needed to do something so they let him re-edit it into a four and a half hour cut that sounds like the worst thing that's ever existed uh, everything he enjoys about superheroes is everything I don't enjoy, I guess. It's, uh... But, so there's no chance I would ever watch this movie. Uh, maybe if somebody I really liked made me watch it, and I can only think of one person. May, yeah, you know what? There's... I'm not going to go any further than that. There's, there's probably one person who I wouldn't just say, eh, well, it'd be easier if we're just not friends anymore. So unless that person's going to make me watch the Snyder Cut or even the theatrical, I will never watch Justice League. Therefore, I have to give it to American Reunion. So it's it's five to three now. The American Pie franchise is officially better than the Zack Snyder filmography. It doesn't even matter what happens with the next movie. But we'll st we still need to get a final score. That's right. So next week, I've got Captain America Civil War, Octopussy, and American Pie, Girls Rule. Uh, and once I'm done, I'm going to... I deserve to treat myself. I'm going to replace the American Pie movies with the John Wick series, uh, possibly Evil Dead, uh, maybe just a whole Sam Raimi rewatch. Uh, I don't know, but it's going to be it's going to be something I it's going to be something good. I'm, I'm exhausted. Uh, so exhausted, I almost forgot to thank our sponsor, TeasedBySummer.com. Uh, this episode is running very long, so I'm going to not uh, lather too many compliments on uh, my, my favorite shirt slash mug designer. Uh, just take my word for Check it out. Everything's really good. It's a good... Uh, so much good stuff. I've been wearing Teased by Summer shirts so much this summer. Uh, I, that, I said summer a lot in that sentence. Uh, but yeah, those shirts are getting a lot of wear out of me. I'm very close to having to buy them again in a smaller size, which will be very exciting. Uh, so check it out, teasedbysummer.com. Uh, you can email the show at fedtalks at yahoo.com. 
Uh, you can see me on Twitter at EJ Fettis, Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis, where sometimes I post pictures of funny things I saw. Uh, that's about it. Uh, I maybe I will not be in such a, a tailspin of anxiety next week, but I make no promises. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you hanging out with me. Talk to you next week. Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.